Peter here. So recently, Wait Wait celebrated 20 years on the air, which is pretty incredible, especially when you think back to the days we weren't sure we'd get through a whole hour. And a good part of the reason that we're still here is, of course, the news itself. If we didn't have a steady stream of raw material, we never would have made it this far. Well, that and you... Yes, you, the person listening to me right now, because you and a lot of other people donated over the years, we were able to keep the lights on and the tape recorder spinning and the transmitting towers humming. So if we're going to make it another 20 years, given the steady stream of news coming out of the pipe, the only real thing we've got to worry about is you keeping up that support. So remember, all that news is not going to make fun of itself. Go to donate.npr.org wait to give. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. The verdict is in. Michael Cohen, you're Bilty. <laughs> I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, we have got... A great show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to movie director Peter Farrelly, who used to be known for uh, earthy comedies, like There's Something About Mary, but now he's made a movie about the civil rights era called Green Book, in which racial relations in the United States are solved by a hilarious mishap with some, quote, hair gel. <laughs> There's something about calling in to play our games. Give it a try. The number is one triple eight. wait wait that's one 888 Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello, this is uh, Ben Strednack from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Stillwater, I'm, Oklahoma. I'm so thrilled to be on. I can't tell you how nervous and excited I am. Well, and I, KOSU is our local station here. That's and great. I'm, a member. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Don't be nervous. We usually don't bite. And even if we did, you're on the phone. Um, <laughs> I, I do not know Oklahoma as well as I wished I did. Tell me what Stillwater is like. So Stillwater is a college town, and uh, we manufacture a lot of great airplane parts here at Asco Aerospace, where I work. Oh, really? You make airplane parts? We do. We, yeah. uh, we make parts of the tail section and the flaps. and. Uh, so you make the important ones? We make the important <laughs> stuff. Right. You're, n you're not making the seats, in which case I could complain to you. <laughs> No. Well, welcome to the show, Ben. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, a comedian whose new comedy album, Babylon Ball Z, is now out on iTunes and Amazon. It's Brian Babylon. <laughs> Next, a comedian who's the head writer and a performer on Live From Here, and he has a new book out called Your Dad Stole My Rake. It's Tom Papa. <laughs> And she's a playwright and the senior culture writer with BuzzFeed News. It's Bim Adewanmi. <laughs> so, Ben, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I am so ready. All right. <laughs> your first quote is from the President of the United States. <laughs> He is lying, and he's trying to get a reduced sentence for things that have nothing to do with me. The president said that who was lying when he admitted to lying. Cohen. Say again? Uh, Cohen. Yes, Michael Cohen. Yeah. The president's 
Former personal lawyer pled guilty in federal court, part of an agreement with special prosecutor Robert Mueller. That happened right after a bunch of presidential tweets, again, calling Mueller's investigation a, quote, witch hunt. And if it is, man, where are all these witches coming from? (laughs) He's gotten convictions or pleas from almost a dozen white-collar criminals. Does Hogwarts run a business school? <laughs> and that, that's the whole thing with this guy when he keeps saying, talking about witch hunts. He really disrespects when there were really witch hunts. Yeah. You know, like in the good old Salem days, that was some quality witch hunting. Yeah. Where you got results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People actually had consequences. You're saying we should make, make witch hunts great again. I'm, well, I'm not, I mean. So, yeah. so Cohen, Cohen says he admitted that he lied to Congress and to investigators about the Trump Organization's contact with Russia during the camp. No, wait, I'm sorry. According to the court papers, it wasn't Trump, but quote, individual one. For for weird legal reasons, that's what they call Trump. Individual one, you know. Individual one, who was not named, was a candidate for president in 2016 and lived in a gold tower on Fifth Avenue. You know, you can see the sign, individual one tower. Are you guys able to follow this? There are some people who think this is like the beginning of the end. And then there are some people who are like, nope, there have been so many convictions and guilty pleas, this isn't going to make any difference whatsoever. It's almost too overwhelming. I get the same feel like all of it's coming down. And it's like when that article came out about all the financial dealings that the Trump family had, it was Mm -hmm. so much information and everyone just looked at it like it was a Stephen Hawking's book and like, I don't get it. Yeah. (laughs) But he's got to be really happy about being individual number one. I mean, as much as it's all bad news, he's like, that's right, number one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, your next quote is about a scientific breakthrough that was in the news this week. As Dr. Frankenstein said, what could possibly go wrong? That was a comment on a claim from a scientist in China. He says he has created the first designer what? Uh, Genetically modified human being. You're right! It's true! A Chinese geneticist says he successfully altered the genome of two baby girls to make them HIV resistant, not to mention waterproof, shrinkproof, and dishwasher safe. (laughs) And I know a lot of parents of newborns are like, really? (laughs) Because that would be awesome. Stick them in there, you turn it on, you get 60 minutes of peace, they come out clean. Anyway, now if he did this, it would be the first time anybody's admitted to actually changing a human's DNA on purpose, which would be shocking, but also disappointing, because if you're going to do it, do it. I mean, give the baby girls a pair of wings or like laser eyes, retractable claws. I mean, however healthy these kids might end up, they're going to be the most boring X-Men ever. (laughs) How about a baby that doesn't poop? (laughs) That would would be great, but I'm just imagining the baby's growing sense of dismay. Yeah, that poor baby. Can you imagine its its face would just be like the human embodiment of gas? I know. (laughs) Just swelling gently. It would be terrible. Individual number one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's I would want maybe a cashmere or a suede baby. Mm. You know? You can't go in the rain. <laughs> well, you know, you just you can put a treatment on it. A baby that if you can make it cry, sound like a babbling brook. Mm. You know? 
Yeah, can you do? Can you modify us now? No, you, you can't. Just, you That's gotta, the problem. Don't get be, excited. You, yeah, yeah. Because I got a patch of back hair. I'm interested. Yeah. In. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a baby. Now here's a question. Yeah, they they can't be born babies. yet. They can't be born yet. You have to. I don't know if you know. I don't know. Is it is it illegal to do this? Yes, it is. High, well, it's very is illegal. It, oh, it's it China. It's China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your last quote, Ben. Okay. Your, ben, your last quote is a tweet reacting to a group of scientists who were seen in wild celebration this week. My office is like that when I bring in donuts. Oh. <laughs> These scientists were not celebrating donuts. They were celebrating what? Landing uh, the probe on Mars that's going to drill down and, and tell about the Mars quakes. You are so good. It yes, Ben. That's exactly right. Inside Mars uh, probe landed successfully on the red planet. Is there anything better than watching a team of flight engineers at Jet Propulsion Labs get all giddy? There were cheers, there were elaborate handshake rituals, there were awkward hugs from men who had never before touched a human being. <laughs> I liked uh, catching the YouTube video of Elon Musk just smoking a joint and watching the whole thing by himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that, too. He's going to do that. Elon I mean, Musk has actually said he wants to go to Mars and to die there. Yeah. He, who's going to stop him, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the funny thing is we've been sending all these probes to Mars. We've got, like, I don't know how many of them on the surface. And when you think about it, well, that's what the aliens will do, too, right? I mean, they're not going to show up and get off the spaceship. They're going to do what we're doing. They're going to send probes. They'd appear among us. They'd try to be inconspicuous but be able to observe us at close range. Oh, my God, that's what all those Instant Pots are. <laughs> Because they came out of nowhere, right? And all of a sudden, they're everywhere. But they're good aliens. They're, they're good aliens. Yeah, helpful aliens. They're, they're helpful. I yeah. mean, imagine turning on a pot, going to work, and returning, and your personal alien has cooked you something very tender. It is nice. You I know? Mean, a nice ham hock. How many? Can you do that? Exactly. No, good I day. know. It's true. Your accent is so beautiful that ham hock turned me on. <laughs> I also have a rack of lamb. <laughs> well, ben, we ben, we could do it together. I'd like some roast beef. As ever, Bill, I, I bow to your superior voice. Um, but I will say, if you bring the roast beef, I'll bring all the trimmings. <laughs> you know what? They should just do this for like one of those NPR pledge drives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Ben do on our quiz? Not only did Ben get everyone right, but he taught us. You did, Ben. Congratulations. Oh, you did really thanks. well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Yep. Tom, last year the NFL relaxed its regulations on touchdown celebrations, so the players are going all out, including one celebration this season in which Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers scored a touchdown and then proceeded to do what with the ball? <sighs> Was he treating it as a ham hock? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that would have been tasty. Um, can you give me a hint? Uh, it was the really hints. impressive part was prior to getting to the end zone, he carried that ball for nine months. Oh. <laughs> he birthed it? Yes, he gave birth to the football. Oh. In a carefully choreographed simulation. Well, 
Last year, the NFL relaxed its rules for touchdown celebrations, allowing players to do anything they liked, and they have been having a lot of fun with it. Players have been uh, like acting out like rowing a galley. They've been playing rock, paper, scissors. Uh, one team even lifted up one player, and the rest of the team did the limbo under him. They can do anything they like, except, of course, peacefully protest. So. <laughs> So back to the football team, of course, they did this on one play, and the next play, they, the team uh, mimed breaking up because it turns out having a baby did not solve their relationship <laughs> problems. <laughs> Up. We're throwing ideas at the wall in our Bluff the Listener game called one triple eight. wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is complete wireless protection for your home that can be self-installed in under an hour. There are no long-term contracts and no hidden fees. CNET, the wire cutter, and PC Mag have all named Simply Safe their top pick for home security. And Simply Safe protects over 2 million people every day. Learn more about Simply Safe and get a special holiday offer on their systems at simplysafe.com/wait. This week on Ask Me Another, we have comedian Michelle Wolf, and she shares her opinion about the White House's recent decision to not have a comedian at this year's Correspondents' Dinner. They want to make a case for the First Amendment, which, first of all, if you have to make a case for the First Amendment, you're losing it. Yeah, it's not happening. And you know that won't be all on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and we're playing this week with Brian Babylon, Tom Papa, and Bim Adewanmi. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sigal. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. Right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. This is Michael Holbert, and I'm calling from Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts? I thought I knew Massachusetts well, but I have no idea where that is. It's a little bit west of Greenfield. All right. Well, <laughs> are you just making up town names to frustrate me? Because I've never heard of Greenfield either. What do you do there? I am a musician and performer in a small theater company called the Agile Rascal Bicycle Touring Theater. That's great. And <laughs> bicycle touring? Yes, we uh, perform original works in theater, and we tour them on bicycles, and we perform for free. So you, you, <laughs> you said to yourself, you know, it's impossible to make a living in the theater, but let's, it's not hard enough. Let's, <laughs> let's make sure that when we show up, we'll be sweaty. How are we going to break into the Shelbyville market? <laughs> <laughs> you make it in Shelbyville, well, then you can move over to Greentown or whatever that's called. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hello, Michael. It's nice to have you with us. Good to talk to you. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is the topic? Bullseye. Darts. That's the game we play in bars mostly because that's definitely the time to be picking up sharp objects and throwing them. But what's a pastime here is a sport in Great Britain. And in fact, there was a big 
controversy, as they say over there, at this year's Grand Slam of Darts tournament. Our panelists are each gonna tell you about it. Only one of them is telling the truth. Pick that one, you will win our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. All right, first let's hear from Bim Adewanmi. The world of professional darts, like any other high-performance sport, has its fair share of gamesmanship. From well-timed coughing jags to exaggerated sniffling, darts has seen and heard it all. But has it smelled it all? Things escalated this month following allegations of an ill wind, specifically one emanating from the behind of Scottish darts player Gary the Flying Scotsman Anderson. In a post-match debrief after being blown out in a match 10-2, Wesley Sparky Harms, Anderson's Dutch rival, accused the two-time PDC world champion of releasing something a little stronger than his signature smooth throw all to gain the upper hand on the hockey. Anderson staunchly denied the allegation, instead turning the accusation back on his rival. I swear on my children's lives that it was not my fault, he said. He then breezily relied on the classic he who smelt it dealt it defense (laughs) of all of our childhoods. Anderson, the winner, went on to describe the smell as eggs, rotten eggs. But, he insisted, the stink hadn't come from him. Whoever the eye-watering stench came from, it'll take a while to disperse. Harms, presumably sporting a mean stink eye, (laughs) told Dutch TV channel RTL7, it'll take me two nights to lose the smell from my nose. (laughs) A gaseous controversy between two players at the Grand Slam of Darts. Your next story of a dart debacle comes from Brian Babylon. Everyone at the International Darts Championship was impressed by one of the first American women to make it to the finals. Dr. Cherie Gertson, a agricultural chemist professor from the University of Nebraska, who was competing while wearing a classic Cornhuskers farmer's overall and plaid shirt with farm girl pigtails. The British tabloids called her Dr. Pippi Long Darts. (laughs) (laughs) The semifinal round started like any other. Dr. Gertson and her challenger, Charles Cook, walked out and shook hands. By the second round, Charles Cook was visibly sweating and also whispering to each dart before he threw them. His last six throws missed the target entirely. Things looked good for the American, but then her behavior also became erratic. She started gazing at each dart, turning them around, touching the point with her thumb, and then seemed surprised each time that they were sharp. Finally, the match was called on account of both contestants not being able to continue. Finally, the disorientated Dr. Gertzen admitted to the truth. She laced her hands in a hallucinogenic frog toxin she made in the lab in order to get an edge on her opponent. Sadly, the antidote she created for herself didn't work as good as she hoped. In her last statement before being disqualified and ordered off the venue, she said, sometimes darts go on the target. Sometimes a target comes to you. Sometimes I can hear my own smells. Woo! Go corn huskers. <laughs> An American tried to use frog or toad toxins to defeat her opponent, but it backfired. Your last story of some bullseye BS comes from Tom Papa. The 2018 Grand Slam of Darts was not without controversy this year. For the first time in its storied history, The games were the focus of animal rights protesters who were contending 
that the Dart Association is promoting animal cruelty by continuing to use the term bullseye. <laughs> A crowd of protesters heckled attendees as they entered the building, holding up signs that read, stick a dart in your own eye. <laughs> what did the bull do to you? And Trump sucks. <laughs> A spokesman for SAFE, the Save Animals from Exploitation organization, said it's time for the dark community to stop using the defenseless bull as its plaything. We went for the fox hunters, we're eliminating the bullseye, and we're coming after the flea circus next. <laughs> Jonathan Haskell, the head of the National Dart Association, seemed genuinely perplexed by the protests. We've had complaints before, but mainly about our drinking and our hygiene. This is a new one to me. All right, one of these happened at a major darts tournament in Great Britain. Was it from Bim Adewanme, one competitor saying that the guy who beat him got a unfair advantage by passing gas? From Brian Babylon, how an American competitor tried to use toad toxin to hallucinate her way to a victory. Or from Tom Papa, how animal rights protesters disrupted the event because they protested the term bullseye. Which of these is the real story of an event at the big darts tournament? Well, I think I'm gonna go with BIMS. You're gonna go with, you think uh, you're gonna go with BIMS? Uh, why, why are you choosing BIMS? Uh, farts are hilarious. <laughs> I, um, all right, you're choosing BIMS story, and to bring you the real story of what happened at this darts tournament, we spoke to a genuine sports journalist. There was a really strong smell of farts in the air while he was taking the play, so there was a taste of bees and smells of junkets. That was Des Beeler, he's a sports reporter for the Washington Post, <laughs> talking to us with great seriousness about the dart farter. <laughs> so, Michael, you got it right. You were correct. <laughs> the farts are hilarious. The Bim was telling the truth. You have won our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. <laughs> Thank you so much for playing. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. And now the game where we reward a lifetime of success with something completely different. Peter Farrelly, along with his brother Bobby, became famous for raucous comedies that had high box office and body humor. There's something about Mary and Dumb and Dumber, among many others. Now he has taken a turn towards the serious with his critically acclaimed movie, Green Book, about a road trip into the segregated South. Peter Farrelly joins us now. Welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Peter. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. So, uh... We were looking into your career as a very successful film director, usually with your brother, and you did not have that classic sort of film school kind of background, right? No. I was an accounting major in college, Providence College, four years accounting major, graduated with the 2.0, and I uh, got into film after that. So did you, you didn't, you, I mean, and like, whenever you, I talk to, like, filmmakers, they're like, oh, yeah, I was, like, making videos in the, in the fourth grade, and all I, I was constantly going to the movies. You weren't one of those guys? No, no, we really didn't. Uh, you know, we didn't have a movie theater in our, in our town except for a couple of years in high school. There was one, but you know, we what we did love is television, and we, you know, I'm, I was more influenced by TV, specifically probably the Andy Griffith Show more than anything else. That whoa, whoa, kind of wait stuff. a minute. 
Oh, yeah. You, you are... All right, let's go over some of your movies again. So there, there's something about Mary and Dumb and Dumber and Dumb and Dumber 2 and Kingpin. And you're telling me that the guys who made those movies were inspired by the Andy Griffith show? Yeah. I, I mean, what we try to do, it's, it's we, you know, obviously try to make you laugh, but we also want to make you feel something. And if you watch the Andy Griffith show, every episode, you're going to laugh, but you're also going to feel a little something. And that was unusual for a TV show. You normally didn't feel much. Wow. I guess, I, I mean, I've noticed that about your movies, that, they're, that d- despite some of the so gross-out humor, they're very sweet at heart. Peter, you act like you've never seen Barney Fife before. Yeah, he's hilarious. That guy's hilarious. Yeah, I've seen Barney Fife. I don't remember I've... the episode where he got his junk caught in a zipper, though. <laughs> and you know what? And you know, the caring part is Andy Griffith, that was a white man you could trust. You know? Like, that. you know, for my, for my grandmama and auntie, you know, in those days, they didn't trust white people, but Andy Griffith, if you went to his town, he wouldn't jerk you around. He wouldn't well, have you leave the town, but he yeah, would get out of <laughs> It was the South. So wait a minute. So Peter, I I mean, one of the things that amazes me is I know so many people who did everything they could to break into Hollywood and they never managed it. How did you get in there? How did you sort of start your career? Well, you you know, it was was very complicated. It took me nine years to get a movie made. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I took the baby steps. First of all, I went off and wrote like 350 pages by myself. You know, for about six months, eight months, and I went to, I luckily got into grad school at UMass Amherst for uh, creative writing, and then I transferred to Columbia University for creative writing, and there I met somebody else, and then, you know, we wrote a screenplay, sent it out, and boom, 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 nine years later, we finally got Dumb and Dumber made. But I gotta tell you, you know, we had never directed anything before, not a, you know, video, commercial, nothing, student film. So we were figuring it out on the set. We were kind of like, you know, we were very honest with everybody, the crew, saying, you know, we don't know what we're doing, help us out. I knew the script. I, I knew the script that I wanted, but I didn't know anything about lenses, cameras, lighting, any of that stuff. Let me ask you about your latest movie, Green Book, which is out now. Uh, it, it is, uh, you've made a lot of movies since Dumb and Dumber, but it, it is a departure for you, right, from what it, you usually do? Big departure, yes. Yeah, so this is a movie, well, you can describe it. I don't want to do that for you. Yeah, it's, it's a true story. Uh, 1962, a black concert pianist named Don Shirley, um, his record company was sending him on a tour of the Deep South. He was nervous about going, so he went down to the Copacabana nightclub in New York and hired the toughest bouncer, an Italian-American guy uh, with a sixth-grade education who was racist himself to drive him because he needed the muscle. And somehow, after being on the road for two months together, these guys became life, lifelong friends. And it was that part, that was the thing that really appealed to me. It's, it's a serious movie, it's, uh, although it has laughed. But what's funny is, is, is it seems pretty restrained. Did you have to like, restrain yourself from doing the things you normally do in a movie set? Yeah, this is also an odd couple type story. You get you know, a concert pianist with three doctorates and a sixth grade educated you know, bouncer. And so there's tons of laughs in there that I, I kind of avoided, but a lot of them come through. There's just natural laughs in there, but I didn't go for gags. Actually, brings us back to Andy Griffith, which was their thing model was no jokes. And Andy Griffith never had jokes. The humor had to come from the characters. And that's what I tried to do in this movie. I wanted any laugh to come from the characters, and that's what we tried to do. I gotta ask you one last question about your comedies, though. Because your films are famous for like going pretty far sometimes. I'm thinking of like the hair gel gag, and there's yeah. something about Mary. Did you and your brother ever come up with something, and you were like, no, that's too far? Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> 
I, I, saying, knowing, then, the, knowing the, what your standards are and that this is public radio, can you tell us about one? Um, I, you know what? I, I have some... Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter Farrelly, we are delighted to talk to you. We have asked you here to play a game we're calling... There's something about dairy. So... <laughs> As we've discussed, you made there's something about Mary, so we're going to ask you three questions about dairy. Answer two of these three questions correctly. You won our prize, one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they like from our show on their voicemail. Bill, who is Peter Farrelly playing for? Raynell Cooper of San Francisco, California. All right. Here we go. First question. Americans feel pretty strongly about dairy. In fact, 7% of Americans believe what? A that if you drink only milk every day, your bones will become unbreakable. B, that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. <laughs> or C, that cheese is poop from very special cows. Wow. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm tempted to go with B just because, you know, it's America. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go with B. All right, you are right. 7% of Americans think that chocolate milk comes from brown, presumably chocolate-flavored cows. <laughs> Next question. This was a little bit of surprising, but one of modern history's greatest lovers of dairy products was Fidel Castro. He loved dairy so much that what once happened? A, when he took over the country, his first stop in Havana was a Carvel ice cream store. <laughs> B, the CIA tried to kill him by poisoning his daily milkshake. Or C, he invited Russia to install nuclear missiles in Cuba because the U.S. had cut off his supply of Wisconsin cheddar cheese. I'll go with B. You're going to go with B again? Yes. You're right. The CIA, as you know, tried to assassinate him. And he had a milkshake every day, so they arranged to put poison in his milkshake. But this is what happened. In the wow. freezer, the poison froze and the capsule broke open and spilled everywhere. All right, last question. Let's go for perfect. Here's your last question. As with everything else, there's a lot of innovation in the dairy space. Which of these is a dairy product we might someday soon enjoy? A, pig's milk ricotta. B, drinkable plastic milk. Or C, exploding cheese curds. I'm going to say A. You're going to say A, pig's milk ricotta. You're right. According to the chef who is developing it, Pig's milk cheese is delicious, but it's really hard to milk a pig. Well, I'm, I'm so happy for Coop up in San Francisco who, who won this. I know. It's pretty exciting. Well, wait a minute. It's not official until Bill says it is. Bill, how did Peter Farrelly do in our quiz? Perfect. Perfect. Three right. Right down the line. Congratulations. Thank you. Peter Farrelly's new film is The Green Book. It's in theaters now. Go see it. It's quite moving. Peter Farrelly, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thanks for having me. I love thank it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. In just a minute, keep your pants on. It's our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Hey, it's Peter here. If you're enjoying today's show, or even if you're pretending to listen so as to avoid having to talk to somebody you don't like who's standing in front of you, please give to your local NPR station at donate.npr.org wait. And thank you.
Support for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and the following message comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, introducing their all-new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com wait. Rate Shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Tom Papa. Bin Adewunmi, and Brian Babylon. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill gives in to his rhymal urges in our Listener Limerick Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Right now, panel, it's time for a game that we call... The Trump Dump. Sometimes there's so much Trump news in a single week, You just have to grab a magazine and stay with it until you deal with all of it. (laughs) We're going to ask you rapid-fire questions about Trump. True or false? Get it right. You get a point. Here we go. Bim! True or false? On Thursday, Trump said the Mueller investigation has cost taxpayers $30 million. Sure. True. No, false. He said that on Tuesday. (laughs) On Thursday, he said it was $40 million. (laughs) Brian, true or false? When asked what he was thankful for on Thanksgiving, Trump said himself. False. No, it's true. That's what he said. Tom, (laughs) true or false? This week, Donald Trump said he did not know if Janet Yellen was smart enough to lead the Federal Reserve. Uh, True. No, false. He said he didn't know if she was tall enough to lead the Federal Reserve. (laughs) What? Absolutely true. He decided that at only like five feet something, she was too short to have the position. Bim, Uh, true or false? Responding to a question about climate change, Trump said that the oceans are very, very large. False. That's right. He said the oceans are very small. <laughs> Brian, true or false, at a rally in Biloxi, Mississippi, Trump entered the stage through a fake chimney in the manner of Santa Claus. False. No, that's true. <laughs> Tom, true or false, later at that same rally, he told the crowd, people say he looks like Elvis. <laughs> so hard. True. Yes. <laughs> Brian, true or false? Secretary of State Mike Pompeo hired an aide who got the job despite saying that President Trump has made some, quote, rookie errors. True. No, false. She said Trump is, quote, delusional on foreign policy and demonstrates frightening ignorance. <laughs> it's always worse. It's just always worse. <laughs> Panel, time for some more questions from the week's news. Brian, in South Korea, stressed out students and office workers have a great chance to escape the pressures of everyday life. Thousands of people there have paid $90 to spend a day relaxing where? All right, give me a light hint. Light hint. Well, this is actually true. At the end of your day, mm-hmm. you are given a certificate of parole. Oh, they, they, they go in, spend some time in, in the clink in jail? In prison, yes. Because that makes you realize you ain't got it so bad and actually... Prison is relaxing. 
<laughs> well, yes. This is basically the idea that for $90, you get to go relax in a prison, quote unquote. You put on a uniform, you're locked in a small room without any technology. That's very important. You have to give up your phone. You can't talk to the other inmates and you get your meals slid to you through a slot in the cell door. Imagine how lucky Paul Manafort feels. He gets all of this for free. <laughs> <laughs> and this is because apparently South Koreans are extremely stressed and getting away from it all, even if it's to a weird facsimile of a jail, seems like a wonderful break. I thought South Korea was the fun Korea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the North Koreans are like, you, you're trying to get into jail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought they had like cool video games we haven't even heard of yet. And they were really enjoying their life. K-pop bands. K-pop yeah. bands. Yeah. Yeah. They were really going off. This sounds uh, kind of bleak. I think you just did come up with a great tourism slogan for South Korea. It's like, come to South Korea, the fun Korea. <laughs> I like it. I think, you know, in many ways, we've all grown too wealthy. You think? Yeah, and you can tell because we're paying money to go to jail. That's true. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, having said that, I, I, I want to try it. Yeah, it's, it, you know, we, 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 we brought this up so we can make fun of it, but the more I talk about it, I'm like, that actually sounds pretty great. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I get the part about not wanting to spend money, so just go out and just push an old lady over into traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, it's Lightning Fell in the Blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one wait wait that's one 924 8924 or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Illinois. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Alia Abdelkader calling from Arlington, Virginia. Alia Abdelkader from Arlington? Yes. That's awesome. Lots of A's in my life. What, what do you do there? I work in government and public sector consulting. Government and public sector consulting? What does that mean exactly? Um, my company has a service line where we consult for different entities within the U.S. government. So You're a spy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Alia, welcome to our show. Bill Curtis <laughs> is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? Yes, I am. All right. Here's your first limerick. On new leg sleeves, I take a firm stance. I won't shop for them, given the chance. Now the fitting room clears for 100 years. I just bought the most long-lasting... Pants? Pants, yes! yes! The outdoor clothing company, Volaback, introduced a new line of pants this week that are made, they say, to last 100 years. This is awesome because there's no way drop crotch cargo pants are ever going to go out of style, right? <laughs> nice little bonus, though, when your pants do turn 100. Al Roker will show their picture on the Today Show. <laughs> is, it, is it made of, like, Star Trek uniform polymer? Yeah, it's like, it's like serious high, high industrial strength material that will never wear out. Like moth-proof. Like yeah. moths with, what is this? Yeah, yeah. moths will like it. Yeah. <laughs> like polyester. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, here is your next limerick, Alia. Our quaint Tuscan town seeks new meaning, and tourists will have to start weaning. It's time that we ease up on one thing in Pisa. Our tower is no longer... Leaning. Right, yeah. the leaning tower of Pisa 
is starting to straighten out at a rate of 1.5 inches a year. The adjustments have garnered disappointing responses from Pisa fans and smug reactions from the grave of Pisa architect Bonanno Pisano. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I told you it would work. <laughs> what happened actually was after the tower has been leaning pretty much since it was built back in the Renaissance and uh, it got problematic because no one wants to see the fallen over and destroyed Tower of Pisa. So they, what the engineers did was they started digging underneath the other side so the ground would subside and it would start leaning back and it's been working. But you don't want to make it work too well because then it will be the straight Tower of Pisa <laughs> and who cares? I'll, I'll tell you who cares, the Viagra people. <laughs> they should sponsor it. New logo, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's your last limerick. Plastic parts go down slow, as young Greg knows. They go slower than fish sticks or egg-goes. Now a self-test is proctored by six Aussie doctors. They'll test it by swallowing... Legos? Yes, Legos! Legos. That yes. was a tough one. Very wow. good. You are a spy. <laughs> a group of scientists set out this week to finally find out the answer to a question that has plagued humanity for generations. How long does it take to poop out a Lego? The, the methodology for the experiment was pretty complex. Bear with us. They had people swallow Legos, set a stopwatch, and wait. The study was in response to concerns coming from parents and as a way to get the Legos off the damn floor. <laughs> Turns out, I'm sure you're dying to know, a standard Lego takes 1.7 days to pass through the system, while a Duplo takes 1.700 years. <laughs> and this is true. Each incident, you know, when they, they, they wrote up the data, each incident of swallowing a Lego was assigned a found and retrieved time, which was recorded as the subjects F-A-R-T. <laughs> I swallowed a pachinko ball once. 30 minutes. <laughs> wow. Did it, did it make that fun noise as it went through? And it comes out and you don't know if you won something or not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was fun. Bill, how did Alia do in our quiz? She did so well, we know she must have gotten help from the CIA. All three right. Congratulations, Alia. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. We're excited, too. Thank you so much for coming. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Zoom Video Communications. Video conferencing has changed the way we do business. Meet happy anytime, anywhere with Zoom, connecting team members across the globe. Imagine seeing up to 49 people on the screen all at once in digital video. Share anything, a file, a video, a photo via desktop, laptop, tablet, or mobile. Visit zoom.us to set up your free account today and meet happy with Zoom Video Communications. Zoom.us. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill in the Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill in the blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Bim has four. Oh Tom goodness. has three. Brian has... Two. That means, Brian, that you are in third place. That means you will be up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, House Democrats nominated blank as the next Speaker of the House. Nancy Pelosi. Right. This week, lawmakers in Ukraine declared martial law in several cities that border blank. 
Russia. Right. On Wednesday, employees of search giant Blank released a statement saying the company now values profit over ethics. Google. Right. Shoppers who bought $600 shoes at an upscale Los Angeles boutique called Paylessy were upset to discover it was really Blank. Payless. Yes, in disguise. <laughs> on Tuesday, scientists claimed that a cure for male pattern blank may be found soon. Baldness. Yes, on Thursday, representatives for Amazon reported that this year's blank led to total sales of $2.2 billion. African American Friday. No. <laughs> Cyber Monday. Cy Cy no, Cyber Monday is the answer. This week, a man in Connecticut is contesting. A $300 ticket he got for talking on the phone while driving, saying police mistook blank for a phone. Oh, they mistake a hearing aid. No, a McDonald's hash brown. Okay. <laughs> he was given the ticket for distracted driving back in August, but he's heading to court this week to convince a judge that what police thought was a cell phone was actually just a hash brown from McDonald's. Say what you will, the only way you can ever get Grimace on the line is by using a hash brown phone. <laughs> Bill, how did Brian Babylon do in our quiz? Pretty darn good. He got five right, ten more points. He's in the lead with 12. All right, Mr. Tom, congratulations. <laughs> Mr. Tom Papa, you are up next. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, President Trump said that a pardon for blank was, quote, not off the table. Manafort. Right. This week, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis urged senators to continue backing the Saudi-led coalition in blank. Saudi-led coalition in... Congress? No, in Yemen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, you're, not, you're not that far off. Dutch police, after finding 350,000 euros hidden in a washing machine, detained a man on suspicion of blank. Laundering money. Exactly. According to a study released on Monday, teens are more likely to try blank before cigarettes or alcohol. Vaping. A uh, pot, actually. On Monday, the CDC <laughs> reported that it was now safe to eat blank as long as it didn't come from Central California. Weed. No. <laughs> Romaine lettuce. A Pennsylvania woman explained to authorities that she was only driving her car on train tracks because blank. She was high. No. <laughs> her weed all over the place. Her GPS told her to. She was high. Police. <laughs> Police who responded to a call about a car on the railroad tracks found a completely sober woman who explained that she was just going the way her GPS told her to. Wow, a good shortcut. A little bumpy, though. No one was injured. Her car was safely removed from the tracks, and the woman got home in record time following her great new route across the airport runway. <laughs> Bill, how did Tom do in our quiz? He got a lot of laughs for getting two right. <laughs> That's what's important. I know my job. All right, then. So how many... Does Bim need to walk away with this? Uh, four to tie, five to win. Oh, we can do this. On Tuesday, Republican Cindy Hyde-Smith beat Mike Espy in a Senate runoff election in blank. Uh, Mississippi. Right. On Monday, President Trump said that he did not believe a dire federal report about blank. Uh, climate change. Right. A new report from the CDC this week revealed that the Americans' average blank has dropped to 78.7 years. Uh, life expectancy. Right. On Sunday, emergency workers said that the campfire in blank had been 100% contained. In California. Right. On Thursday, the FDA approved a new cutting-edge drug for fighting blank. Uh, cancer? Right. On Wednesday, Margaret Atwood announced she was writing a sequel to blank. The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. a feel-good comedy. Yes. <laughs> Feels like we're all writing a sequel to that. This week, an Irish soccer team had to apologize after they blanked in order to get out of a match. I, I know what I want to say. Um, 
but I will say dance the jig. No, after they faked a player's death to get out of the match. <laughs> the manager of Ballybrack FC, an amateur team in Ireland, told league officials that his team couldn't play in the weekend's game because one of their players, Fernando La Fuente, had died in a tragic traffic accident. <laughs> yeah. This came as a surprise to La Fuente, who was very much alive and working in his office job, when he heard the news of his own untimely death. The team was eventually called out. They apologized. They said the manager would be happy to accept any punishment, but sadly, he died in a tragic traffic accident <laughs> just yesterday. Bill, did Bim do well enough to win? She got six right, 12 more points, total of 16, and she's a champion. There you go. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict now that the new probe has landed on Mars. What will it find there? Special thanks this week to Cruz Blanca Brewery for sending us beer and tacos. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran. And Mary D'Olio, our interns are Catherine Coates and Zoe Lowenberg. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornbost, and Lillian King. Our individual number two is Peter Gwynn. Technical director is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what will the Insight Probe find when it digs into Mars? Brian Babylon. It's going to find a nude beach for Teletubbies. <laughs> Bim at a one me. Another giant cow like the one in Australia. And Tom Papa. A very blurry Matt Damon. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Brian Babylon, Bim at a one me, and Tom Papa. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagan. We'll see you next week. This is NPR.